given me and, and blessed me with and, and taking my talents and, and trying to glorify him through through uh, my passions and my talents. Because so. we need Christians whose faith is alive right now. God doesn't ask for anything in return from us. He just wants us to trust him and believe that, you know, he is the Almighty and sent his son Jesus here to die on the cross to forgive us of our sins. I'd rather share a Bible verse on Sunday morning with an audience of 100 than just try to sell products and not make any difference at all to an audience of a million. And then it's like, well, that's settled. Let's go. <laughs> we sit back and we, we develop this envious jealousy inside of us because somebody else is living the life that we want while we sit down and don't do anything about it. Get out. Go enjoy it. And then, of course, you know, you and I would say, get in the woods! What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Rise Killing Podcast. My name is Tyler Pruitt. I am the host and I am the founder of this show, and I want to thank you guys for joining me today for another episode of What is the Rise Killing Podcast. This is a show for people that love God, freedom, and the great outdoors. And it's my goal to share the stories. It's my goal to share the, the conversations that are surrounded around those three things. So, again, thank you so much for joining me today. If this is your first time, then double thank you because I certainly appreciate new listeners joining in on the conversations, joining in and listening to the show. And if you are a return listener, then I want to also thank you for continuing to support the Rise of podcast. So this is going to be part four of our study through the book of James. This has been a really cool study of it. Basically, if this is like we were saying before, if this is your first time, then I want to encourage you guys to go back and check out parts one through three of our James study. And basically what we've been doing is doing an uh, uh, elaborate breakdown of the verses in the book of James. All right. So James is a very confrontational book. It's a very heavy book. And um, James is it's, it's a, only five chapters long, but there's a lot packed in there. And it's taken us four weeks just to get through <laughs> chapter one. So today we will be getting into verses 26 and 27. This is going to finish out chapter one as far as how James is written here. I was planning on getting into uh, a little bit of chapter two in this episode. But after doing some studying and doing some some further deep dives into these two verses here, it turns out we've got plenty of plenty of things to talk about here. So I didn't, instead of packing too many things into into one episode so I, I decided to just go ahead and finish out chapter one with this episode and like I said this is going to include verses 26 and 27 all right before we get into that I want to ask you guys to go ahead and connect with me on Instagram you guys can find me at the handle at rice you can find me on there uh, send me a message you know, follow me, whatever. And I'd love to connect with you guys. Those guys that haven't connected with me yet, that'd be awesome to be able to hear from you guys. And I want to encourage you guys to go check out the YouTube series by my buddy Wes Ireton. Had him on a few weeks ago. He's got a YouTube series by the name of Rise Kill Eat also. And episode one just came out not too long ago. So go check that out. Go check out what he's doing with Rise Kill Eat, the YouTube series. And I'm sure you guys are gonna gonna enjoy what you see. So let's go ahead and dive right into James 1 verses 26 through 27. So for this, I'm going to read the passage 
I guess, the two verses together first, and then we'll go ahead and start breaking down some different parts of, of these verses. So James 1, 26 through 27. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. All right, so this is attacking, I guess attacking, I don't know, maybe attacking is not the right word, but this is confronting the idea of of religion, of like religious acts, okay? So that's what James is getting into here. Um, just to kind of recap, kind of review, uh, like I said, if this is your first time, James is writing to a, well, he was a leader for one of the early churches in Jerusalem. So he was a leader there. He stayed behind after the great dispersion that took place in Acts chapter 8. So he stayed behind. He's in Jerusalem, He and he's leading this church in Jerusalem. And writing this letter to the 12 tribes, the ones that departed after the dispersion or after the dispersion. So he's writing this letter to them. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I think in this specific location of Jerusalem where James's church is, it's also confronting a lot of, uh, it's also got a lot of poor people. It's a pretty poor population. Um, so there's a, there's a lot going on with what is, uh, with, with what's happening here. And each topic that we've talked about in these, these parts of James, they have all addressed certain things. All right. So they have part one, we talked about perseverance through trials. Um, part two, we talked about being deceived into sin. Uh, three, we talked about, um, you know, putting your faith into action, not just listening to the word of God, but actually doing it, being doers of the word. And this one is looking at the idea of false religion. So one thing I want to look at, or one thing I want to say before we get into this is that Christianity, being a true Christian, is not about a religion. It's not about doing things. Okay. All right. So, and that, that's not a contradiction to what we talked about in part three. So what the, what I'm saying is that it's not a matter of rituals for the sake of rituals it's not a matter of you know doing things for the sake of doing things as if that was going to earn your righteousness before god okay that's not what christianity is about it's not about these you know ceremonies and type of things like that all right so things like actions are a result of our relationship with christ so christianity being a true christian is more about a relationship than it is a religion it's more about having a relationship with Christ than it is about doing things in order to earn a relationship with Christ. Okay. So he's already given that to us. If you look at the historical context all throughout the Bible, God is wanting fellowship with his created beings. Okay. That's what the intention behind the Garden of Eden was at the very beginning. That's what the intention behind, you know, one of the many intentions behind uh, Jesus coming here to this earth was to have that fellowship and to have that, that bond, that relationship with his people. Okay. So I, I wanted to put that out there first. So whenever, whenever I was reading this, that word religion kind of stood out to me quite a bit. And I think it's just a reference to, you know, a belief system, I guess almost. Okay. 
So Christianity is not necessarily a religion in the sake of, you know, doing ceremonies, doing rituals, whatever type things you can throw in there for the sake of doing those things. It's more of a relationship with Christ. And as a result, we do certain things. Okay. So let's look at this. Let's get into verse 26, verse 26 here. So if anyone thinks he is religious, all right, there's that word again, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Okay, so it's got a few criteria here for us, all right? So talking about a religious person, somebody who, uh, you know, identifies with the certain beliefs, if he thinks he is religious, okay, but he's not able to do these things, the result of that is basically worthlessness, all right? So if he's not able to control his tongue, if he's not able to bridle his tongue, if he's not able to control what he's saying, then that is evidence that his religion is worthless, all right? So that going back to the point I was making a second ago is that his religion, his belief system, if he's not able to do these things as a result of his, the worthlessness of his religion, he's not able to bridle his tongue. So if somebody has a true belief system, a true relationship, a true uh, identity with their quote-unquote religion, then they will be able to to control that tongue what they'll be able to control what they're saying they'll be able to to make the points that they want to make without you know using certain words or using certain phrasing and they will be slow to speak just like we talked about uh i'm getting a little ahead of myself here but they'll be slow to speak just like we talked about in part three if somebody thinks he is religious somebody thinks they're a christian i think in in american uh american culture you know i think you'll see statistically that the majority of the u.s identifies as being Christian. Okay. But I think personally, okay, this is just my opinion out there. I think it's more of people are products of a Christian principle system. Okay. So as a result, they think they've been grandfathered in to that belief, to that quote unquote religion because of it. Okay. Now that's a whole rabbit hole I could go down. That's something we could spend literally an entire episode on. So I won't, I'll just kind of leave it at that at that point. But basically if somebody is religious, somebody has a certain set of beliefs, but they're not able to control their tongue, then that is proof that their religion, that their belief system is worthless. And it also mentions another thing here, deceiving his heart. Okay. So if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but the deceives his heart, that person's religion is worthless. Okay, so as a result of of that uh, uncontrollable tongue that this quote-unquote person, this imaginary, I guess, type person has, they are, as a result, deceiving their own hearts. Okay, which is another proof positive that their religion, their belief system is also worthless. So it's important for us to control our tongues. It's important for us to control our words. But why is it? Like James is saying that, if we can't control it, then our religion is worthless. But I wanted to use a little bit of a cross-reference here because whenever I read this verse, I immediately thought of Matthew chapter 15. So in Matthew 15, this is Jesus. He's talking about basically the same kind of thing that, that James is discussing here. Okay, so Matthew 15, uh, I'm going to start at verses 11. I'm going to skip around a little bit down to 18. But basically what you're seeing is this idea that uh, that Jesus is, is discussing and, and talking about to the Pharisees about the same kind of concept. 
All right, so Matthew 15, 11, let's look at what it's saying here. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles the person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles the person. So basically he's saying pretty much the same thing here. Okay, so it's not a matter of what you're eating. It's not a matter of, you know, what's going into your mouth. It's going to be what comes out that is going to defile somebody. So basically the same thing that James 1, 26 is telling us here, that the words that come out are proof that your religion is worthless. And they are what defiles you as a person. But James is just reiterating what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 15. Okay, now, just to give you some contextual reference here, uh, Matthew is a gospel. Okay, most of you guys probably know that. But for people who aren't, you know, necessarily, you know, Bible nerds like I try to be, or uh, don't quite understand the, the layout of the New Testament, Matthew is a gospel, so it's a it's a eyewitness account of of the life of Jesus. Okay, now James is written after the fact. James is written after Jesus's ascension, so that occurs at the end of a couple of gospels and at the very beginning of the book of Acts. Okay, so this Jesus's ascension. So James, so James is one that is written uh, a little bit later. All right. So James is making the point in verse twenty six that Jesus is making here in Matthew 15. Okay, so it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth is what defiles a person. Okay, so it's important for us to control our words because that is ultimately what is being shown, our heart is being shown as a result. Okay, so our true belief system, okay, our heart is being shown as a result of what comes out of our mouth. Now, what is, uh, what's actually pretty funny about this is, uh, you know, Matthew 15, verses 12 uh, through 18 here. Verse 12 says that, Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? So whenever Jesus says that they were, <laughs> that it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person, the Pharisees got offended. So again, give you some contextual reference here. The Pharisees are the, the head honchos of the religious world. Okay, quote unquote religious world. They are the super duper religious guys that hold to the rules. And, you know, I think their beliefs were intended to be well. Okay. But as a result, they had all kinds of issues with Jesus because he was showing them what a true, he, well, he she was showing himself. He was showing what a true belief in God was really all about. All right. So the Pharisees got offended by this because. Jesus was basically saying that they needed to watch the mouth. <laughs> like it's a matter of what comes out that's going to defile a person, not a matter of what goes in. Because there was a lot of uh, uh, different types of foods that you couldn't eat, different types of things like that. So I think that w- there was some uh, some reference to that here as well. So the Pharisees got offended, and basically Jesus responds back to him. All right. So verses verse thirteen here, he answered, "Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted." All right, so this is a reference. Jesus speaks in a lot of, uh, you know, parable, metaphor, simile type things. So he's saying that basically the people that God did not put here, they will be taken out. Okay, so the plants that, or the the seeds, the moments, the the beliefs that God did not put here, those are going to be things that are uprooted. They're going to be rooted up out of the soil. All right, verse 14, let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into the pit. All right, so again, Jesus is, is finishing that parable. And he's basically saying 
that these guys have a worthless type of religion. They're, they're more concerned with the acts, the religious acts, the ceremonies, the rituals for the sake of doing those ceremonies and rituals because they think that's going to be what is ultimately going to make them righteous before God. That's what these Pharisees are more concerned with, whereas Jesus is saying something very, very different, right? which is why they were offended by what Jesus was saying. As a result, Jesus is responding that every plant, everything that God did not put here will be taken out. It'll be uprooted and removed away from, from the soil. And then skip down here a little bit to verse 18 here in Matthew 15. It says that, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. Okay, so it's exactly what we've been saying here. The, the Pharisees, they were really good at looking religious. You know, and they were very proud. They were very proud of it. They were very good at looking like they played the part. They, they wore the robes. They did the ceremonies. They did the, you know, the acts that made them look like they were, you know, somebody important. But at the end of the day, it was all false. It was all, it was all worthless, you know, just like James was mentioning. So the things that come out of our, our mouths, and I'm not just talking about like just individual words. I'm not talking about, you know, sentences or jokes or anything like that. I'm talking about just the, the way we carry ourselves, the, you know, how we communicate with, with other people, how we communicate with our own spouses or how we communicate with our kids or how we communicate with our friends, family, complete strangers, the way that we communicate is what I think is being addressed here. It's not, like I said, it's not the use of individual, you know, four-letter words or anything like that. Now, obviously that is included in here, I think, but that's not the only point that I think is being made. So as a result, the things that come out of our mouth are produced from the heart, just like Matthew 15, 18 here is, is getting into. All right, so why is it important for us to control our words? Why do we even need to do that? Well, because it's of what verse 18 in Matthew 15 is telling us the things that come out are a result of what's inside. The things that are out are a result of what's inside. Right, so going back here, just to reiterate the point here in, uh, in James one twenty six, James is making the point that someone's religion, okay, so their belief system, their religious behavior is basically worthless if they cannot control their tongue. Okay. Because adding on to a little bit from Matthew 15, 18, because what is produced from the heart is going to be what comes out of the mouth. Okay, so you can really see somebody, somebody's inner character. You can really see somebody's beliefs and how it affects them based on how they carry themselves and based on how they communicate with others and how they control their tongue. Right, so like I was saying before, in part three, we mentioned the importance of, of being slow to speak. Whenever we're slow to speak, this gives us an, an opportunity basically to think and make rational decisions about what we need to be, uh, what needs to be said. You know, I think it's, it's, it's not an emotional response. It's not something that, you know, we're just blurting out. It's not something that is uh, causing us to, to say things we don't want to. Whenever we're slow to speak, whenever we control our tongue, we are able to think through our response and do things in a more God honoring way. I think it's the whole point that James is making here that slow, slow to speak, control our tongue, because as a result, our ability to do that shows the importance of our belief system and our relationship with Christ. So I think ultimately there are a couple of different ways that we, I'm sure probably more, but there's a couple of different ways that we are able to control our tongues, able to tame our tongues. 
of course, one is to prevent emotional outburst and prevent, you know, things that we don't need to be saying, prevent those from coming out. And there's also, uh, another way to tame our tongues. And that is basically through not deceiving ourselves with, with lies. So it's easy to, well, easier, I guess, to, you know, recognize a lie that somebody else is saying and to recognize something that somebody else is saying and see that as a lie. But it's, I think a little bit more difficult whenever it's ourselves that, that we're lying to. Whenever, whenever we're relying to ourselves, it's a little bit harder to recognize that. And, you know, I think that's part of, part of controlling our tongue is recognizing those, those lies to ourselves. Our tongue, our, our, what's coming out of our mouth is a test of, of true religion. It's the test of our true beliefs. It's, it's basically showing what is truly inside and what we truly feel. And, you know, I, I wish I could say I, I'm, I'm the best at it, but honestly, I'm not <laughs> like, no, I think anybody that is truly honest with themselves, you know, I think there are times whenever we don't control our tongues, you know, we fall short of this expectation. We fall short of, you know, doing, doing the things that we're commanded, but thank, thank God for grace. So jumping ahead here to, to verse 27. So we've already addressed in verse 26, what false religion looks like. Okay, or what it looks like to not have a a worthy religion belief base in in God. So James tells us here in verse twenty seven what true religion actually looks like. What's this, what is it supposed to look like here? So let's look here to verse twenty seven. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this: to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So what does true religion look like? Well, it's pure and it's undefiled, all right? And it manifests itself in visiting those that are that are in pain. Here it specifically points out orphans and widows in their affliction. Okay, so affliction means like pain, suffering type thing. So this word visit is actually, it comes from a Greek word. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but basically it means to to care for somebody. Okay, to to love them and care for them in a loving way. Okay, so to take these orphans and these widows in their affliction and care for them in a loving way. Okay, so this is what true religion looks like. Now, if we think back to the two greatest commandments that that Jesus gave us, because there was a this is a whole other topic as well. But basically, he was asked what commandments should be kept, and he said, "Love God, love your neighbor." So this definitely falls into that love your neighbor category. So taking care of those that basically can't take care of themselves. Okay. So in uh, first century AD, widows and orphans, they didn't have government type programs that, you know, could help, could help them out. Okay. So basically a widow in the case of a widow, if her husband died, you know, that's, that's half or a very big portion of her ability to be able to provide for herself. Okay. And maybe even her kids. So whenever a husband died, whether, you know, they were old, whether, you know, something, some kind of accident or sickness or something, whenever they died, that was, that was huge in, in taking away their ability to be able to, to survive and, and to provide a true Christian, a true believer in this first aid, first century AD. And now is somebody who is going to take care of these people. They're going to love these people. They're going to love others 
in a selfless and a sacrificial way. All right, so they're going to take care of these orphans. They're going to take care of these widows in a loving way. It's so important for us to uh, to take care of the the neediest in our communities. I mean, you see that a lot now. Thank God, thank God we do. I mean, the past couple months have been pretty pretty rough. I know a lot of people in in Texas and a lot of people you know in that that area they were affected pretty heavily by by winter storms. Um, it was pretty tragic for a lot of people. A lot of people died, unfortunately. But what you saw, maybe this wasn't talked about in the mainstream media quite as much as it should have been. But what you saw, from what I could tell from up here in Kentucky, is you see you see people that come together and take care of other people. Okay, you find the neediest, you find the elderly, you find the widows, the the orphans, the little kids that don't have people to take care of them, and you help them. Like that's what true religion looks like. And that is a result. Those of us that have that belief and have that relationship with Christ, those are a result of that belief in him. So taking care of those, those needy individuals, taking care of the neediest in our communities is something that should be an easy given for anybody who has that relationship with Christ. And then James also mentioned something else is, uh, as far as what true religion looks like, of course, caring for others, but also being unstained from the world, unstained from the world. I think that's such a interesting, intriguing word, unstained from the world. So, of course, you know, this goes without saying, I think that that this world, it, it's dirty. I mean, it is it is nasty. There's a lot of immorality. There's a lot of, uh, you know, every time you turn on tv your phone or whatever it is you know this this world is full of basically garbage so essentially what true religion is looking like is separating yourself from that stuff okay not in indulging in you know the secular idea of you know maybe entertainment or not indulging in things that are going to take away from that relationship that you have with christ okay so of course I don't want to sit here and sound like a, a rule keeper or something, but I'm just saying that this is this is what James is addressing here is to, to take care of those that are in need, take care of those that, that need support, and then to stay away from the gross misconduct, the, the immorality that is inevitable in this world, to be unstained, to be separate, set apart from from this world. So he's got a few things listed here. Okay, so he mentioned those couple things. A, a pure and undefiled religion, you know, is to take care of those that are need to be taken care of. Is to be unstained from the world, and just like you mentioned in verse twenty six, to control our tongues. Okay, so James is em- emphasizing this personal faith in action. Okay, and also a compassion towards others. Okay, so there's an internal religious factor, an internal belief system that manifest itself based on you know what comes out of our mouth that should be evident to those around us and there's also certain acts that should manifest themselves outwardly and are evident to what we believe and can be seen by those around us okay so basically what he's saying here is that if you have a belief you have a relationship with christ then it should be evident people should be able to see you and you should be living in a way that is honoring him and that points towards him. It should be obvious whenever somebody looks at you and 
and looks at how you live your life that you are a Christian, that you have this belief, you have this relationship with Christ. If that would be surprising to some of your people, your coworkers, your family members, your friends, then I just want to, I just want to ask that you reevaluate, you know, what, what that looks like for you. Don't have this worthless religion that James is talking about here. Have something that's meaningful, have something that's significant in your life that changes every aspect of your life. Don't have this empty belief that, yeah, you used to call yourself a Christian, but nothing changes as a result of it. Just reevaluate what is going on. This is something I I have to do almost on a daily basis because I, I am just, I fall so short so often. And so I'm, I'm preaching to myself just as much as I am anybody else that's, that's listened to this. This is something that is, is extremely important for us in order to be able to, like we said, have that internal action, you know, faithful action, and also to have that compassion and that those outwardly type things towards other people that people can see as a result, the effect that the gospel has had on our lives. And that's only, that's only going to come through Jesus. I mean, that's, that's, that's where it has to come from. And that's the, this change, it only comes through Jesus. So Jesus came voluntarily to die on a cross for us. But before that even happened, he showed us, he showed us the way he showed us how we are able to, you know, live a life that is selfless, that is humble, live a life that isn't all about, you know, the things that this world offers, but is more about him and is more about honoring God, the father. He showed us the way. He showed us how, how to do those things. We're going to fall short. We're going to fall short on a daily basis, which is the idea of grace. Thank, thank God we have this grace. We have this mercy that he has on us as we continue to, to strive for that, that perfection. So thank you guys for listening today. Uh, this was part four of, of this James study. I mean, this is only the first chapter that we've gotten into and it's been so heavy. It's been so much going on with this and, you know, like I said, in part one, we, we discussed the, the perseverance under trials. We got into verses one through eight. Part two, we got into, uh, not being deceived by sin or deceived into sin and just being on the lookout for that, being aware of what, what that looks like and how that kind of progresses. That was, uh, verses nine through 18. Um, part three, we got into putting faith into action, not just hearing the word, but doing the word and showing, I guess, a little bit of what we kind of talked about today, putting that faith into action as a result of our relationship with Christ. And then, that was uh, verses 19 through 25. And then today we're finishing out chapter one with basically taking that concept from part three and just amplifying it. Okay, so living radically in a way that is going to be evident to everybody, you know, that we have this relationship with Christ. So watching our mouths, taking care of people, living in a God honoring way. So if you guys are enjoying what you guys are listening to here, then I, I want to ask that you guys leave a rating and review on the podcast platform that you're listening on ratings and reviews are a huge deal for us as far as being able to get this show out into new ears uh this is a show that has grown organically we haven't had any any kind of major sponsors we haven't had anything you know to as far as the advertisement goes so anybody that has found this has been a result of those ratings and reviews okay maybe social media so this has been an organically grown 
podcast and any help that you guys can as far as you know getting the word out there it, it, it would be greatly appreciated so thank you guys for joining me today um we will get into next time with part five i'm not even sure i don't even have this planned out so we're just going to keep going i don't know it may be you know 20 parts by the by the end of this so part five we're going to get into uh looks like favoritism in chapter two here okay so it's going to be an interesting little study it's going to start getting a little little more interesting as we continue working through this this james study here and uh i appreciate you guys listening today and i will see you guys next time